Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. This is the word of the Lord. C.S. Lewis, in his article, uh, The Great Miracle, or The Greatest Miracle, Um, It's in his book, uh, God in the Dock, describes the incarnation, describes what we've come here to celebrate as um, the the miracle that that defines or tells the rest of the story of the world. Uh, What what he means by that, he gives an illustration quite early on in that article, in that that essay, um, to say essentially that it's as though we'd been given various pieces of music, parts of a symphony that all go together. I mean, if they just didn't quite sound right, it didn't quite completely make sense. And then the final piece of that music was found, and it drew all the other parts together as one. Uh, Another analogy that he uses is to describe, it's as though um, an author had died, um, and what we found was a collection of chapters in a book. And we put those chapters together, and yet there was a central chapter, a key chapter, a a chapter that explained everything else that happened in the story missing. And if we were to come upon that chapter, if we were to discover that chapter, um, suddenly we we found a story that made all the sense in the world. And as he comes to Christmas, as we come to the incarnation, what I believe we find is the chapter that makes sense of the rest of the story. But what we find is that the the part of the symphony that was absolutely essential for all the other parts to fit together and to make sense. So we've just heard the story. In fact, we've heard multiple renditions of the story. We've heard 
Um, prophecies foretold um, thousands of years before the coming of Christ um, at the very, very beginning, that one would come to crush the serpent or the dragon's head. And tonight, um, now, after having heard the story um, in closing, before we take communion, I want us to consider the meaning of that story. Um, You see, there is one more retelling of the birth of Jesus. Not only is it told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Um, John has his own spin on things, Um, but also in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, as was just read for us, um, we find again another story about the birth of Jesus. Whereas the other stories tell us about shepherds, and tomorrow morning we're going to look at the shepherds, where Matthew tells us uh, about the Magi, the three kings um, traveling to see Jesus, Um, they tell us um, the, the essential history, they tell us what's happening on the ground Um, uh, around the birth of Jesus. Revelation, um, as John describes the birth of Jesus, um, he does it in a slightly different manner. He he tells us what you couldn't see going on that night, what you couldn't see unfolding in those moments, what you couldn't see that actually explains the whole history of the world and explains why tomorrow morning you'll get up and exchange gifts while you drink eggnog when you won't drink eggnog any other time of the year. Um, why we celebrate, why we get together as family, why we hang stockings over um, our fireplaces, why we do the things that we do. Um, The the stories, as as they come to culmination in Revelation 12, I think explain to us something of the magnitude and the glory and the beauty of this night. So Nathan just read it for us. I want to draw, um, remind you that there are in this story three characters. First, you have a dragon. The dragon is not random. He doesn't just suddenly appear in the story of the world. He has been there from the beginning. Most of our Bible translations have kind of toned things down there in Genesis because it'd be crazy to have a dragon in Genesis, but not so crazy in the book of Revelation. Um, And yet there it is. When it describes for us a serpent, a crafty serpent, a deceiving serpent, um, there in Genesis chapter 3, what we find in Genesis chapter 3 is in fact the dragon, this dragon, the dragon that lies, the dragon that deceives, the dragon that has held the world in darkness. We see two particular things about this dragon as John describes him. You should look at it with me. Um, first, what we find that the dragon is the deceiver in verse 9. And a great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. What we find at work in the world, almost from the very beginning, is one who has lied. And he has continued to lie. And he has, for a long time, held all the nations in darkness. But the thing that he has done from the beginning is to deceive, to trick to lie. In the garden, he told um, Adam and Eve that God was not good, that God was keeping something from them, that God was not to be trusted, and he has always told the exact same lie, even to this day, that God isn't to be trusted. God's holding something back from you, that God isn't good. God isn't holy. God isn't wise. 
And so we hear the words of scripture, we hear the wisdom of God, we hear of the righteousness of God, we hear of the beauty of God and the majesty of God in his word. We hear these stories and we also hear right alongside them, flooding around us lie. He's not good. This way of thinking is backwards and silly. This kind of righteousness, so it's just legalistic puritanical nonsense. He's really trying to keep something from you. He's trying to oppress you. He's trying to chain you up and put you in a box. He, um, um, he doesn't want um, you to be all that you can be, all that you're to discover about yourself. Um, um, surely he's lying. Don't you know he's lying? Don't you know that if you lived this way, it'd be foolish. If you lived this way, it'd be silly. Um, he is not good. He's told the same lives from the beginning and he has deceived the nations from the beginning. But he's not just a deceiver. He says this in verse 10, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. who accuses them day and night before our God. Here's the crazy trick at the heart of human misery in all of history. You see the devil, the dragon, the serpent, he he, um, not only goes to and fro lying and deceiving and twisting and questioning the goodness and the beauty and the wisdom of God, He also, when you buy into those lies, when nations and societies buy into those lies, when individuals and children buy into those lies, he has another job as well. So for all of history, he has lied to God's creation. He's lied to men and women. And then he stood in the presence of God and said, see, they're liars. They're murderers. They can't contain their lusts. They're greedy. They're proud. You see, he stood age upon age upon age, um, not only deceiving mankind, but then when mankind bought the deception, when mankind rebelled against God, when mankind did not believe and trust in the goodness and the wisdom and the beauty of God, he then stands before the judge of all the earth and accuses. Behold your guilt. Nick, liar. Justin, fool. And on and on and on, accusing and accusing and accusing. You'll notice that in this story, the the dragon comes and waits for the woman to give birth, seeking to devour the child. As you look back at history and recount the story, Um, Most scholars would say that's particularly referencing Herod. After Jesus is born, he sends and kills um, all male children under the age of two. But this just tells us a bit more about how the dragon has always worked. Yes, he always seeks to kill children, destroy them, to devour them. 
But he also always works through people, through rulers, through mass media, through your own minds. You see, he's not just a magic figment, but he actually works tangibly in the history of the world through real people, real books, real movies, real dictates, real laws, deceiving, accusing, destroying children. We have the dragon. What about this woman? What are we supposed to look at about this woman and understand about this woman? Well, the beginning of the chapter gives us a little bit of a description. It says, and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. Other places in Revelation, the sun and the moon are reflections of, um, that they are reflections of the glory or the majesty or the beauty of God himself. And so here is a woman, a woman who's not like the harlot in the book of Revelation, a woman who's not like the false prophet in the book of Revelation, but rather a woman who is clothed with the very glory and majesty of God. And on her head, and this is, I think, the key clue to understand who she is, on her head, a crown of 12 stars. 12 stars, 12 anything in the book of Revelation. Always it is meant to tip um, our hats, tip, give us a clue that, that um, who John is talking about is the covenant people of God, the, the, the people of Israel, 12 tribes of Israel, and the church. So the people then grafted into that original tree, all those who belong to God, all those in covenant with God, and in our age, all those who have believed with all their hearts in the person of Jesus. Um, this woman is Mary. This woman is Israel. This woman is church. She is the whole collective history of the people of God. She is the means by which the one who has received all the echoes, all the promises, um, all the prophecies and the foreshadowings of the coming of this king, this one who would finally cast down the liar and the accuser. And last She gives birth. She gives birth to a child. Who is this child? Verse 5. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. I'm here. John points us back to Psalm 2. As all the nations rebel against God. Um, I love Psalm 2 because it describes God looking at the rebellion of the nations says the God in heaven laughs. And then he sends his son to rule the nations with a rod of iron. So here, this child, this one given birth in and through the covenant people of God, the one promised to Adam and Eve, the one promised to Abraham, the child promised to David, delivered through Mary, it's Jesus. He's the one to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And as a result of his coming, the dragon, the story tells us, is cast down. So, what do we make of this? First, we're no longer accused. You see, the glory at the heart of the story of Christmas is it all of us 
all the accusations brought before the God of the universe, all of them are true. I mean, if you, here at Christmas, I'll let you, I'll just keep it on me. If you were to accuse me of being a liar, if you were accusing me, if you would accuse me of, of being proud, if you were to accuse me of violating um, really any of, the, any of the Ten Commandments in one way or another, here's the, here's the reality. You would be right. You see, the devil stands before God and he doesn't lie there. No, he just points at me and at you. And for all of history, he, he just list upon list upon list of accusation, of true accusation, of accusations that deserve death. And here's God's answer. Oh, it's a precious answer. It's not to call each of us to give an account. It's not to call each of us to try to spend our lives making amends. It's not to call all of us to try to climb the ladder of religion or good works or good social causes or whatever you think might save you. No, it's something far more wonderful than that. He sends the son, the child, the male child, born to rule the nations with a rod of iron, and he casts out the accuser. The answer to your sin is not personal reformation. It's not getting your act together. It's that God in and through the blood of Jesus has looked at the accuser and said, enough. I'll hear your accusations no longer. The coming of Jesus The birth of this child is the shout of God in history that the accuser be silent. But that's not all. The accuser is cast down and the deceiver, his lies no longer have enslaving power. You can, you can. Shove your fingers in your ear and close your eyes and just shout la, 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 but for forever and ever and ever. But the voice of Satan, the voice of the dragon, the voice of one who held the nations in darkness with his lies for so many years. He's been cast down. You don't have to buy his lies anymore. You don't have to believe that God isn't good. You don't have to believe that God isn't beautiful. You don't have to believe that God isn't holy and wise and that he intends your good, your blessing, your glorification, that you would know him and love him and enjoy him. And forever and ever and ever, the deceiver has been silenced. You can trust every word proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, the coming of this child, this child that shepherds, shepherds came and worshipped, that you can now see the very words of God. You can see the goodness of God. You can see the mercy of God. You can see the beauty of God. 
sent his son, take on human flesh, silence the accuser, to prove the lie of the devil's deceptions. This, this is what took place in Bethlehem. It's not just a story about shepherds, although the shepherds, I'm excited. Wonderful story about the shepherds. It's not even a pretty amazing story about people coming from the east to worship him because they saw a star of all things. No, at the heart of it is a cosmic battle that's been decisively won. Your accuser has been told to shut his mouth. And the liar has been shown to be exactly that, a deceiver and a liar. Last, how is this dragon that's still, as the end of this text tells us, is still very much at work in the world. Even if he can't accuse us any longer before the Father, um, he still comes to you with accusations. Um, Even though he can no longer hold the nations in darkness forever, he can still come and lie to you. And here's the thing, he does every single day. How is he conquered? How is he defeated? It says that he is cast down, he is conquered, he is overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So when those accusations come, you don't have to lie to him. It's absolutely true. Every bit. And they've already been paid for. For all who believe in Jesus, the answer to every accusation is my sin has already been paid for. What of the lies? Those lies are overcome by the word, the testimony. The testimony that we sing, the testimony that we read, And the scriptures, the testimony that we bear witness to as being absolutely and gloriously true, no matter what lies are told, no matter what twisting of the truth comes at us, we bear witness that God is there and he is not silent. He has spoken. He has told us what the world is like. He has told us what righteousness is, what justice is, what sin is. He has told us that which would destroy us and that which would give us life. So the dragon has been thrown down. The dragon even now is conquered. As we point to, as we cling to, as we treasure the blood of the lamb. And as we bear witness and give testimony to all the words that God has spoken. Let's pray and prepare for communion.